Well, it's beginning to look a lot like the most unpredictable Premier League season. Manchester City were held by 19th place West Brom on Tuesday, while Chelsea's early season title hopes were dented at Wolves. We've got six more tough flight matches tonight. Olakoli Rafaya and Inyo Monday joined me on the podcast this morning. Olakoli Rafaya and Ini, welcome to the Hindsight Podcast. We've got a fantastic couple of uh, topics to walk our way through, but of course, it's very interesting to have you both on the podcast this morning. Good morning, Yubi. Um... Obviously, lots of football uh, has happened over the last two, three days, you know, so there's a lot of footballing stories like you rightly alluded to, and um, it's always good to be on the podcast just to chop up these topics. Brilliant. Any good morning? Good morning, you'll be great to be on the podcast again, and like like, like Lula said, very exciting times in football. It's getting to that part time of the year where there will be loads and loads of football matches, one, at least one every two days or three days, and it's exciting times, really. Hmm. Well, let's uh, uh, get into it, so shall we? Uh, let's talk about the uh, games we saw yesterday, and let's start off with the Chelsea Wolverhampton Wanderers game. I wanted to take your uh, two cents on that, Ine. Uh, what's the problem there with Chelsea? Two back-to-back losses now, or back-to-back losses uh, now, and clearly six points dropped. It's not the kind of start um, to December or a congested fixture period Frank Lampard would have wanted. Absolutely, and it's just coincidental that just a couple of weeks ago, or just a week ago. Um, Jurgen Klopp installed Chelsea as favourites for the title and that they've gone and lost two games after that. Mind games working, maybe. But it was it was a disappointing performance from Chelsea, yeah, quite honestly, when you look at the fact that they took the lead and at that point, they were playing against the Wolves side who had not scored a goal in, in two games and lost their last game. You would have thought that Chelsea would have dominated that game from there, but they allowed Wolves back into the game. Credit to Daniel Pundengs, who I think is an absolute crack of a footballer. Great equaliser. And when the naivety came in into that game was, I'm looking at that game and it's 1-1. And I'm thinking Frank Lampard, he's got to tell his players, this game is it's, it's better to take a point than lose all three. Chelsea were pouring forward and I thought that was very naive because when you look at Wolves and the way they play, they like to be compact, they like to be solid and hit on the break. And with the pace of Neto, you always feel that they are a threat. Um, um, Adama Traore came off the bench and I saw Chelsea pouring forward and I felt they're going to get punished. And the minute that ball broke, I was the first to predict that that was the goal because I know how Neto plays. Once he gets on the ball, he drives at, the fo- at, at defenders shoots it to his left and, and strikes. And it was a great finish. But I thought that was quite naive from, from a Chelsea perspective because one point sometimes can be gained and not necessarily two points lost. Ah, interesting. Uh, Chelsea's last five games, if you, if you stretch back, go to uh, the win at Sevilla, uh, away from home, the beat Leeds United 3-1, uh, drew 1-1 to Krasnodar, lost to Everton, lost now to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now check this out for the next five games. Chelsea play West Ham the next game. They play Arsenal at the Emirates after that. And you would expect that Arsenal, if they don't come out of that rut, that would be a very key game because of the London Derby. The next game is Aston Villa. The next game from there at home is at City. And away, of course, uh, the next game is in the FA Cup against uh, 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 Murakambi. Chelsea haven't won a single game against any side in the top 10 this season. And they've scored, they've played seven of the top 10 currently this season. And that, for me, is not title form. But luckily, what's the problem with Chelsea? Is, uh, is, is, it, is it back to the early season structural problems in defence or was it just uh, one of those one-off performances? Yeah, I honestly don't feel like there's a, uh, there's a deeply rooted problem. Um, I think uh, with the stats that Inyo Bong just put out there, when you look at stats, depending on the angle, 
or the perspective you're looking at it from. That's an angle that Inyobon has, has mentioned. You could also talk about how many goals they've scored, how uh, how well they've improved defens defensively, you know. So it depends on the angle you're looking at it from. But, but for the Wolves game, I quite agree with the fact that you would expect Frank Lampard to be saying, you know, you can't be pouring forward in that manner. But I saw the changes that Lampard made as well. He was expecting the fact that Wolves were going to kick it up a gear in the second half. And that's, that was why he brought in Kovacic at the time he brought him in. For, in my opinion, the players themselves have got to take responsibility. We've talked about how much leadership that uh, Thiago Silva has brought into the team. That's the time that you need to be vocal. That's the time that you need to tell the young players who want to be uh, adventurous to say, no, this is not the right time. Because Wolves actually deliberately target the last 15 minutes of the game to get one or two goals. And they've done that so well even from last season. But I, like I said, I don't think there's a deeply rooted problem. The players... At some point, maybe we're believing their own hype, where people are talking about they're one of the best teams in the league, they're title contenders, and Lampard actually alluded to that as well, that some of the players have got to look at themselves and realise that they are nowhere near the kind of a, a juggernaut of a team that Jurgen Klopp has built or even what Pep Guardiola has done at Manchester City. They need to stay grounded and work hard to the end of every game. Mm. And quite an interesting uh, turn of results for Chelsea lost their last two games and the next five games would be uh, crucial going into a very hectic December uh, fixture schedule. Right then, let's get on to uh, more Premier League games because uh, we saw a, a big game from a Manchester City point of view or a Baggies point of view as of course the Baggies Dentist City's title hopes at the Etihad. Um, the goalkeeper, Ine, uh, Sam Johnstone, uh, made two point-blank stoppage time saves, of course, to uh, leave Guardiola's team. I think that they're at six on the table now and the five points off the top uh, of the top of the table. But they've got a game in hand, that must be said. But, you know, City's problems are not going away. You know, it's not one of those problems where you make a nice analysis and say, look, you think that they're the best players in Andalusia. You know, always find a way to come back. It looks like a real problem that's been it's come to stay. It looks that way clearly because City have not been dominant in terms of scoring goals and creating a lot of chances. Because at the start of the season, the question was, were they creating enough chances? Yesterday, that wasn't the problem because they had twenty six shots on goal, even though they, they only managed to score one. And my worry for City is the fact that they're lose, losing that incisiveness, that decisiveness, if you like, in the final third, because with City, it's always picture perfect. It's always inch perfect in the final third. The passes are not quite as good as you would expect it, because I'm seeing people on the heat passes. The passes are not quite at the usual level and the standard that you expect from City. Maybe the injury of where is a contributory factor, because City play in the way that Aguero is the focal point because when balls get into the area, you look at Aguero and there's a hunger, there's a desire about him to score goals. I don't quite think that Jesus is that guy who can give you 30 goals in a season. He makes very good runs, but he seems to drift away from very key areas as opposed to Aguero, who's always in and about the very key areas in the 18-yard box. He wants to score goals. And that, for me, is a big worry. Whether... Uh, Mm. Aguero not being fit is a big problem for them. It's something that the Pep Guardiola needs to find out. Defensively, I thought they've got a little better with Ruben Diaz, but going forward, but my word, what a performance from West Brom. You've got to give credit to West Brom. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Fantastic in the sense that they were not overawed by the occasion. They stayed in the game. They fought for every ball. Even when they were going forward, they, they, they gave some, themselves some fighting chance by throwing some bodies forward. As evident in that goal, the, the goal 
credited as an own goal, but Shemi Ajayi was one of the key performers on the night. Sam Johnstone deserves a mention. A lot of the West Brom players went to that game with a different mentality. And just hearing this morning that Mick Slevin Billich might be fired, and I'm just, I'll, I'll be wondering, how do you fire a manager after getting such a result at the ETN? Hmm. Well, I just wanted to ask you uh, before uh, we go on to uh, Olakule's uh, thoughts. I mean, Aguero is on the bench for that game, or was on the bench for that game, uh, came on as a substitute uh, ultimately. But, you know, the, the popular saying is that if it's fit to be on the bench, you know, why not Why not start from the from the get-go? If you're struggling so much to score goals, then you should not have Aguero on the bench. What, is, is, that a, is that not a valid argument to make? It is a valid argument. I'm always of that school of thought. If a player is fit enough to be on the bench, you should be fit enough to start. But again, you talk of momentum. You talk of uh, steam. Has he got the steam? Has he got the momentum to go straight into a game like that? Particularly knowing that a side like West Brom will come in and sit very deep and defending low blocks. So you probably want to just be careful with him and just give him a little time to just... To, to come into the, into the thick of things and, and gradually, but not just throw him straight, straight in. But I think Aguero would be very key for City at this very difficult mm. time because you yeah. need him to be up there and score goals for City. Speaking of uh, City, let's just uh, take a look at the next five games. Uh, check this out. They are away at Southampton at St. Mary's, away at the Emirates to Arsenal. They're at home to Newcastle in the Premier League. Um, of course, the, the Arsenal game is in the, in, the, in the Carabao Cup anyways, but they're home to Newcastle in the Premier League. They're at home to... They're away to Everton, and they're away at Chelsea. So the next five games, I, I see only one quote-unquote easy game there, which is Newcastle, which is, um, you, know, um, you know, in the Premier League. It's, it looks a really tough set of fixtures to go through, so... Uh, two points uh, dropped, a very crucial point dropped. They might be further off the, the top at the end of December. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, those those uh, games can be really tricky. And it's no news. We all know that if you don't win games convincingly, you lose your, um, uh, your, your, your threat factor, your fear factor. Teams are no longer scared. Teams can now believe that we can go in there. If we work hard enough, we can get a result. We can get a point or even all three points. Now... The, the situation with the Man City team, as far as I'm concerned, is not new. Aguero has, I don't think Aguero has played a full season under Pep Guardiola. Aguero is always that guy that'll be injured for a bit, will still come in and get you goals. So I think Aguero being injured now cannot be the reason why Man City are not scoring goals. For me, I feel like the team has been, uh, with how Pep has changed the team so much over the years, he's always playing with a new starting lineup almost every three games or every two games. But at the time, you had a David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne flying really high. Now David Silva is out of the picture. Kevin De Bruyne is not playing really well. Now this is when you need the cohesion of a team. This is when you need the, 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 the team to be strong together. You can see Man City playing now. It feels like that. It feels like that cohesion is not there. If you, I, I, there was a time that we used to, it felt like they, they had a, tele, uh, a, a, a telepathic um, um, relationship. David Silva, Raheem Sterling, you know, but now it's just, it's just not there anymore. And I think, Pep, this is the time to strut his stuff and show to the world that he's a top-class manager, find a solution to get Man City goals. Man City have never been the best team defensively, but they would overwhelm, overwhelm you with how many goals they would score. And now that is drying up. Those next five games might be a key decider in whether or not they will be looking at challenging for the title come the end of the season. 
Mm. Uh, interesting uh, couple of thoughts from the guys. Uh, speaking of which, all eyes would be on West Brom at uh, the next couple of days to see how the club's hierarchy uh, continued to uh, mule over a change of manager uh, for uh, the West Brom. The bag is actually right then. Uh, let's get away from that particular topic now and get on to uh, another conversation which uh, we need to have. And it's certainly about the uh, big game coming up later tonight. Uh, Liverpool are home to Spurs, and Liverpool's home record speaks for itself. I think they're on 65 uh, unbeaten games at home now, which, of course, stretches back to maybe two years ago. Is it the perfect occasion for Spurs? Mourinho has always got that backs-to-the-wall underdog mentality. Is it the perfect time to show that um, the title might be... They might be firmly in the title race this season, Ini? It's a tough season, really. A top top season in the sense that when you look at Spurs, I don't think at the start of the season anybody really felt that Tottenham were genuinely going to 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 challenge for the title. But Jose Mourinho, Vintage team has done a terrific job. And you, you look at Spurs going to top to Liverpool, and you're thinking Spurs went to Chelsea, and everyone thought that's going to be a real test, and they eked out a nil nil draw. It looks like that that might be that sort of game looking at the way Liverpool are playing, the only difference is that Liverpool are not defending so well. So you'd probably fancy Tottenham scoring a goal or two. Um, for my money, I'll probably go for a Tottenham win because of the way they are playing at the moment. But it's going to be a very, very tough game because I, I, I saw the press conference where Jose Mourinho was talking about the number of injuries. Liverpool have incurred in, in, in the past few weeks and... Um, Jurgen Klopp mourning and, and complaining about, about the fixture congestion and, of course, five substitutes. And I think it's going to be that sort of game where, tactically, you've got to be on the money. And, and we know Jose Mourinho for being tactically very astute for this sort of game. See, he doesn't mind taking a draw out of it because a win for Liverpool would mean that Liverpool will leapfrog Tottenham. And Jose Mourinho will not necessarily want that. Added to the fact that Man City have dropped points, Chelsea have lost, and it might just mean that if you if you gain a point from this sort of game, it's a point that is very important and not necessarily losing two points. So I, I, I foresee that sort of game because I'm looking at the Tottenham players and we had a conversation about Jose Mourinho not being able to really pass across his, his methodology to the players last season. But this season, it's quite different because it looks like Hurricane is willing to play from fullback. It looks like everybody is on sync. Everyone is thinking the manager is doing great. Anything he wants us to do, we'll do it. Mm. Interesting. Uh, luckily, is it too early to speak about Spurs in the breath of uh, title contenders? I mean, we're just 12 games into the season. And Jose Mourinho rightly pointed out that Jürgen Klopp has had 1,800 plus days to work with Liverpool as compared to his, you know, 300 days plus to work as Tottenham manager. And he's even said that 300 days are, you know, fake in the sense that, you know, had lockdown <laughs> for uh, such a long period of time. Uh, yeah. Is it too early to, to prop them up as title contenders? 12 games to the season already? Six more I, games I, I, or I, let's say seven more games till the midway points? Or do we just, um, you know, write this as one of those, uh, no. you know, frenzy conversations I don't think it's too early if you if you do not take Tottenham seriously right now then it might be you might have yourself to blame at the end of the season Mourinho would always play down the chances that they've got to win the title 
But if you see how he has played against the big boys, especially, you you can tell that you know he's on top of the table. He doesn't want to relinquish too many points so they don't move too far from the top of the table. He has played against Chelsea, very cagey. We're going to get a point if we can. He has defeated Arsenal, hasn't lost against the big, bo big boys. I think he has considered just one goal. That's a man that's, that's, that's been very strategic, been very uh, tactical as well. You're going to see against Liverpool today, they're going to be very cagey again and make sure that we're going to hit Liverpool on the counter-attack. Let's make sure we're very difficult to score against. Let's hit them, you know... Like Inelbong mentioned, they're not Liverpool are not defending particularly well. So we have to be able to capitalise on that. So if you see how Mourinho has approached some of these big games, you can tell that in his heart. He's telling the players that we've got a chance. And this is December. This is December already. If they get through December and they're still top of the table, then they become a real threat to everybody. You know, but from Liverpool side of things, I think even though the team a bit depleted defensively, there's something about shielding and protecting your home record. It brings some sort of beast out of the players. I, I still expect a very fe uh, uh, fierce Liverpool against Tottenham. But my best bet would be a draw. Mm. Uh, a draw uh, from Lackley. Let's just uh, uh, peel out Tottenham's next uh, couple of Premier League fixtures. Uh, they're away, of course, tonight at Liverpool. They're home to Leicester City. And we're going to talk about Leicester shortly. And, of course, they go to the Carabao Cup and play Stoke away from home. They now play Wolverhampton Wanderers away in the Premier League, and of course they are home to Fulham. So uh, effectively, the next three games are crucial from a Premier League point of view. Liverpool away, Tottenham, uh, rather Leicester City at home, and of course they go to Wolverhampton Wanderers away. So like you said, if they get through December, um, that could be very crucial. This, this could be the defining moment in the, in the Premier League title you know, aspirations, if, if, you, if you like. But let's talk about Leicester City, um, Indiana Lacule, and we're going to talk about them briefly because they play Everton uh, later today or tomorrow. I think today, actually. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's Everton, the two teams who are, in my opinion, flying under the radar. Of course, Everton's early season's, um, you know, form has since waned and are now grinding our results more uh, than... Uh, ever. Leicester clearly, you know, one of the most informed teams in the Premier League at the moment. The 24 points, that's just one point of Liverpool and Tottenham. They look like they like the place they're in, but they'll be careful of the deja vu feeling from last season because last season it was similar. They were in good places until the very end. What has changed this season? Or what needs to change? From, from, a, from an Everton point of view, um, one of the reasons why they started the season so very well, if you remember, I think five games or four games into the season, they had James Rodriguez with the most chances created in the Premier League, Alan with the most uh, tackles, the most interceptions. Those signings were really huge for how they started the season. Now, James Rodriguez has been injured for a couple of games, and the amount of chances that, it, that they used to create has some, somewhat you know, uh, reduced. There's, a bit, there's been a decrease in that. And like rightly mentioned, they are more or less grinding out results now. I said... Even when they were winning at the start of the season, that I don't see them doing a, a, a 2015 or 2016 Leicester because defensively they don't look like a team that can really mount a challenge. I'm hoping that they can stay in that Europa League place, 
and looking to get into the Champions League probably next season. I don't even see them into the in the Champions League this season. For Leicester, feels like they've got their mojo back. They've got something going for them. Particularly, um, Madison also is beginning to get back to his best that we know where the, the level where we know he can play at. If they can retain that level of performance, like you said, Yubi, uh, last season, the performances kind of went towards the end of, uh, of, of the season. So they know what to do this time around. Sustain that performance. Hopefully, they can get those, those their best players fit towards the end of the season as well. All right, then let's get on to some Champions League draws for, from uh, earlier in the week. And the dust has settled on the, the, the early draw frenzy. Let's just uh, run through uh, those draws. What works for you? Uh, Liverpool are away at RB Leipzig. That's a game you would expect Liverpool to win. RB Leipzig are a great team, but ultimately you expect Liverpool to win. Which stands out for you, uh, Ine, as far as those draws go? Obviously, the, the Barcelona PSG is uh, historically a, a game you would expect two big teams in it to compete, but it feels like if PSG would have an easy one over Barcelona there. Um, I'd look at the Atletico Madrid-Chelsea game. Um, contrast in playing styles. Atletico Madrid like to sit back and and hit on the break, and Chelsea clearly like to fly forward with the attacking um, arsenal they, they have at their disposal. I think that should be a very interesting game because Chelsea Atletico Madrid in the past has always been a cagey kind of game, and I'm looking forward to it because I, I expect it to be exciting. I expect to sit back for 180 minutes and watch two teams try to outwit and outsmart each other. So that for me looks like it would be a cracker. Mm. Luckily, Chelsea Atletico is a, a clearly a game everybody's going to be looking forward to. But if you if you were too off the top of your head, a lot of things can happen between now and February. Clearly, um, you know Chelsea's form will clearly improve at the moment. You think that both teams are neither here nor there. Atletico, obviously, historically in the Champions League, they are always you know there or there about. But you think Frank Lampard can can grow up a lot and get two legs over or one leg a smart Diego Simeone. I mean. Uh, certainly, certainly, uh, Lampard has shown that he can learn on the job, you know. But when you're playing against uh, Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid, it's a different ball game entirely. We keep talking about how good they are over two legs in Europe, how good they can also get. It's a, a lot of new faces in the Atletico team as well. But the fact that they've got Diego Simeone and more so this season, they've been they've been performing, they've been looking like a vintage Diego Simeone team. But I think also this fixture is probably one of those that you you won't expect the teams to buy to bring in too many you know to bring in new players in general because they brought in some really good players already. So there's a very big chance that the squad that they've got right now is the same squad that they would have come February. So going by that, I think if Chelsea can grow up from you know bad game management that they've had early season, last season, they might be able to have something against Atletico Madrid. But you're looking at that Atletico Madrid side with um, Diego Costa still in the team. You've got Luis Suarez now, João Felix. They're very frightening going forward as well, more so when they're hitting you on the counter-attack. You cannot bet against Atletico Madrid right now. Well, it's been an interesting conversation, guys. But before we wrap up, let's just... Uh, I want to take your two cents on uh, the, the, the Nigerian Professional Football League and the, the the continued postponement of the the kickstart of the season, you know, it's been postponed for what two weeks down. I think it was supposed to start on December the seventh, if I'm not mistaken. Got pushed back to thirteenth. Um, at the moment, I'm hearing that nineteenth is not possible anymore. Could that league start this year, Ini? Just worried for our football generally, and my my worry 
predominantly is the fact that the people who run the league, the league management company, have just gone incommunicado. They're not talking to anyone. And because we, when things happen like this, you really want to hear from the people who matter, uh, who make decisions in this league. And they're, they're not quite talking to us. We do not know why the league hasn't started. Maybe it's connected with, with a lack of sponsorship, if you like. But I'd like to have a bit of communication, a bit of information about what is going on. It's, it's quite a shame that at this level of our football, we're still doing things like secondary school or primary school um, way, primary school way of doing things, which is which is quite um, very sad. And I don't think that football is going to resume in this country. Uh, the MPFL, I should say, because in the Nigerian Professional Women's League is currently going on. I don't know what is going on with the MPFL, and it's quite sad because some of these teams have been training for a long time, and, and people ask why did our teams go to the continent and put up such woeful performances. And, and I wonder, how do you expect them to be playing when to do well in, on the continent when they're not playing any football in the league? I mean, it's a worrying situation and clearly you'd expect that in a year where things are beginning to kickstart and football has resumed in, in lots, lots of places and, and whatnot, you'd expect that the, the NPFL should be one of those um, you know, commodities or products that are looking to kickstart their season, especially going into the new year. What What do you think the problem is? I mean, uh, Yubi, you picked that you picked that straight out of my head. I I think um the 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 LMC um the way it looks right now are not interested in building any sort of goodwill with the uh, fans of the Nigerian Professional Football League because what Inyobong said is actually really important. Right now, a lot of people do not know why there's been constant postponement of the start of the league because they are not communicating. What exactly is the problem? And like you said also, it's been a really difficult year. Economies have shut down in different countries all across the world. But when you look at those countries, when they are looking to kickstart the economy, football and sports generally are one of the most important products that they use because of how all-encompassing it can be and how it can bring people together and how much it can activate an economy. But you look at the Nigerian League and what exactly are they doing? What exactly is going on? They've got a deal that they announced a couple of years ago. I'm thinking in my mind, what are those... What, what is the investor thinking right now? We just signed a deal that we're hoping we'll get something for what we've signed and it's been postponement on top of postponement. So... It doesn't, it doesn't speak well of the LMC, certainly doesn't speak well of the Nigerian Professional Football League. I hope we can get some sort of qualification very soon, but I doubt the league would start this year. I do not say starting this year. Hmm. Well, uh, gentlemen, that's, uh, it's been a nice uh, conversation, certainly, uh, as far as uh, most of the topics we've touched on, and certainly would we'll bring you back to speak about uh, the more games, because the games are coming thick and fast in this December period. And wherever you are, uh, simply uh, click on the Hindsight Podcast on your podcast platforms and search the Hindsight Podcast. And of course, on Twitter and Instagram, we're simply at the Hindsight Pod. Luckily, I knew me. It's been a pleasure. See you soon. Thank you. Absolutely, Yubi. Fantastic. Right. Right then. Have fun in December. And Wale, that is a wrap. <laughs>